wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome to another episode of Auto Off Topic. How are you, Brad? I it, uh, I'm wonderful, Andrew. How's uh, how's life in the Great White North? Uh it's not very. It's not much snow. It's kind of a mild winter. So I know we don't want to make this about weather every week, but uh, since recording last week, I actually got some snow here. You probably got more snow than we did. Yeah. I mean, it didn't stick around, obviously, but there was enough to make the top of the car white. It was, I guess we'll call it a, a wintry mix. It was like a slushy. I thought it was hail at first, but it was definitely more of like a slush. So. Well, you can, uh, if you get that on your off topic bingo card, you can check off weather. Uh, that might be next to the yeah. free middle spot. Yep. Then next is Brad complains about a new car and Andrew complains about... Uh, Brad complaining about the weather. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Hey. Anyway, it was it's it, it's newsworthy when it snows in Phoenix. All right, all right. So it was like less than forty degrees, and there was moisture in the air. So oh, I'm so tired. So so sad that. for you. Uh, you're very tired. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. This is uh, a new episode. What are we talking? What are we talking about today? The five hundred was Sunday. It was, and that is the Daytona 500, of course, which became the Daytona 512. How many miles was it? It was, it was the most laps ever. It was either 210 or 212. Yeah. Because of Here's, controversial overtime. Yeah, so I was all on board with overtime because every time I've seen it, it's made the finish more exciting. But... Uh, do you want to skip right to the finish? We can go backwards. Uh, well, let's let's talk about this real quick. So I think, you know, I was trying to think about this today. In you've got before Dale Earnhardt, uh, Dale Earnhardt died, and after Dale Earnhardt died, NASCAR, right? Would okay. you consider those are those are that's a pretty? It's like the de- ADBC of NASCAR. Yeah, that's like a good demarcation of eras. Sure. Sure. And well, the first the first era would be the switch from production based car to two frame cars, and that was sometime okay. in like the late seventies. Okay, and there's not much of a demarcation until the pre and post Earnhardt. Yeah. So let's say that was two thousand one. Yep. Uh, and then it seemed like in the early two thousands, NASCAR was sort of floundering with. They were losing fans. They didn't know what to do 
to make the races more exciting. Yeah, it seemed like it had become kind of a state of just nothing changing. Yeah. And then the changes they tried to make all seemed forced and weird. Well, I remember at, at the time, I remember comparing it to like the fake drama of the WWF, which is, well, WWE now, I guess, at the time, WWF, and being annoyed at just the general, like they were trying to create drama and excitement where there wasn't instead of trying to do something about the racing itself. Well, then I think they looked at football because football also was kind of bland pre like 2000, 2001. I don't think it wasn't, it wasn't as big as it is now. The NFL was far more. No, it's far more popular now because think about it. It like fantasy football didn't exist. True. Like all like they've, it was like after like, the 2000s they really started doing a bunch of stuff with football and making it into a spectacle. Is this because you live in New England and after the 2000s was when the Patriots started winning all the time? Oh, uh, this is possible too. Yeah. But it was in general it seemed like football became more of a thing where people were playing fantasy football and I watching think, all the games. Like it made people watch all the games, like care about different games that weren't yeah, their home I think team. Everything in the world got more popular once the internet got on its, you know, got its legs. Okay. So pre pre internet, it was you had more of a, it was more of an individual thing. Like if you liked the sports team, you liked the sports team. You had your core group of friends who you could talk about the sports team with. But then post internet, it opened up the entire world to your opinion on what the local sports team was doing. Right. And I think that that really kind of brought all of that together. Okay. And then the but- ability to record things on your TV also made things a little more. You didn't have to be home during the hours of this to this every weekend to see sports. It was you could do it whenever. There was there was just so much more, so much more access to things in general, and that's not anything specifically. That's things in general that I think that if even if things are not more popular than they were, there was a more connected community for it, so everything seemed more popular. Okay, but what I was trying to drive at no pun intended, was that it seems like NASCAR was pulling from football to try to drive excitement. Okay. By doing these overtimes, uh, by doing these stage races. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I I get it because the NFL did try to do things differently. They've, you know, overtime rules have changed. Replay rules have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, forward pass rules have changed. And you would say, I would say rules the, have changed. most of the games are a lot closer. I'd say in general, and NASCAR definitely is a lot closer now. Oh yeah. I, I think what's made NASCAR closer. There's two things that made NASCAR closer. There's the stage racing. And then on top of that, the lucky dog rule. And it's a combination of those two things. So when you have stage racing and you have the lucky dog rule, so every yellow flag, the person who is the first car lap down gets their lap back, right? So mm-hmm. each yellow flag that happens and each stage has a yellow flag at the end of it. So you automatically get that. So it used to be that a third through the race, you would have, you know, a, th- a third of the field was a lap behind. And now you're watching and the only cars that are a lap down are the ones that are 
damaged and can't keep race speed or behind the wall for a long time. Yep. If you lose one lap now early enough in the race, it's not a big deal. You'll you'll yeah. get it back. Yeah, and I don't really have any issue with that. I mean, it's no, I I, I fully support the stage racing. It makes every race into some sort of a sprint. You have that moment of excitement three times in the race where sure it's not the finish of the race, but you know, those stage points add up a ton. So they try real hard to get their stage points, but there's also the additional strategy of, do you move to the front and try to get the lead for the end of the stage? Or do you drop back and take your pit before the stage? So you can stay out after when everybody else is pitting. So it's always that, that strategy is a, is a huge part of it now too. That didn't used to be. Yeah. And you've got, an endurance race with sprint races in it. That's what I mean. It's, 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 there's always something going on. Whereas it's not just three and a half hours and 500 laps. And then there's a finish. You well, have... you could have, you could theoretically have a very clean race without cautions and then nobody gets bunched back up and then somebody drives away. And... Which is part of what I'm saying with the stage is that it, it keeps yeah. the field tight. Yeah, there was these invented cautions is basically stage racing. Yep. Um, but, you know, I've done it in the I, past, too, with competition cautions also, just to try yeah. to watch the field back up. So, yeah. And I've seen, you know, people are like, well, you know, if they didn't have these, like, you know, one person would just drive away. It's like, well, yeah, I guess that was part of racing. But, you know, it turns out that's not very engaging for fans. It's right. Unless it's your guy. But. You know, it's it's incredibly boring for TV if that just happens every week. And yep. it doesn't if one guy was doing it a lot, like, say, for example, you know, when Gordon was on top, he would often do that for many races during the season. And people were like getting sick of it. Yep. That's what I mean, lost still, a lot of fans still, was that. Yeah. I mean, you still kind of have that with a couple drivers, but. There's a little more of a chance for somebody else to win. With with the stages and yellows, you get a little less of that. You have a few of the drivers who always seem to be at the front. And yep. you can't seem to get a race without them in contention most of the time. Unless well, then they're good drivers them. and they have a good team. That's part of the 100%. game as well. Yeah, 100%. But what I'm saying is that it's it's less of a chance of them winning as much as they would if there was just 500 green flag laps and they were... 28 seconds ahead of second place. Yeah. So I feel like this method or these rules do give chances to uh, lesser teams and lesser drivers that may not have as good of a car, but it gives them a chance to get up front. No question. You see a lot more rookie teams doing well during the year than you ever have in the past. Yeah. I don't know if it's a part of that or if it's a part of the fact that the cars are more evenly matched now or there's less skirting of the rules that they used to be and you know the more money wins all the time but i think that uh, a lot of it has to do with the stage racing and on top of that the lucky dog rule so i'm a fan of both of those things i don't hate it uh i know it has some detractors but i don't know you gotta try some stuff everything does you can't make a change Mm -hmm. in anything without people complaining so people want the old way whether the old way was better or not or if it's debatable you're never going to please everybody, so you might as well not even try. So you can't you can't change something and expect everybody to be like, oh, that was great, because somebody's going to be like, the old way sucked, but I like it better. 
Yeah, just any, they want to be annoying about it. every major racing body has some sort of gimmick. F1's sure. got gimmicks. Uh, World Rally has like the power stage at the end. Like there's yeah, I don't know. They, IndyCar they, has the push to pass yeah. thing. You can't because in the end, it's a fan sport that they want fans. Yep. So if it's not exciting to fans, then nobody's going to show up. If nobody's watching it, there's no sponsors. If there's no sponsors, there's no racing. I mean, so look at what need... IMS has done with Balance of Performance. Yeah. Uh, and the Rolex 24 was the most attended one ever this past yep. one. Yeah, and again, that's all part of, I think, that a the, the prospect of a 24-hour race to a casual race fan in the past used to be, God, I don't care, tell me who wins. Whereas now you have coverage of it that you can follow along on one of many cable channels or the internet that it's brought that many more people in because they can follow the whole race. They can follow the team chatter on the internet. They can follow the race on, you know, all the different channels that it was broadcast over. And then they're like, oh, I want to go check this out sometimes. That sounds awesome. So it becomes, because of the coverage, a better thing for the fan in general. And then they become more into it and they go attend it. And then at the end of it, unlike, you know, in the olden days, you've got three or four cars in the lead lap. Yep. You know, you don't have a team that's leading by two hours. Two hours. Yeah. Which no, there's, there's sections you know, in between. That was a, a feat in itself at the time, but I don't know. It's not that exciting to watch. <laughs> no, 100%. I don't think that 24-hour races have ever really been a spectator sport. I think that's only a more recent thing that there's more people spectating and it's like i for what i said it's because the access is there now it didn't used to be there and now it's there like i watched a good chunk of the 24-hour race i didn't watch the entire 24 hours because you know a man's gonna sleep but i did watch a ton of it and you know i have a cable box in the garage and i can turn it on out there and watch some while i was in the garage and then i can come inside at the end of the day and watch some more on the tv before i go to bed and wake up and turn back on the garage again so it it, it worked out well that way well it you know, when it boils down to it, these are entertainment things. And if they're not entertaining, then right, it's not working. So I was talking to Naomi about that during the 500 or leading up to it because I watched the bush race and the truck race, too, because they were all good. <laughs> I hate commercialization of things. Yeah. But I love watching racing. Yeah. So it's hard to be like, oh, I guess I have to watch this thing with all these giant corporate companies sponsoring it with their logos everywhere. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Fine. I mean, yep. the only thing that stunk was Fox's coverage. Like, yeah, there were a lot of commercial breaks, a lot of commercial breaks. Yeah. And then like they did the side by thing, side by side thing. Like, like there was a wreck, like right as it went to side by side. And then you for like two minutes, no commentary, just commercials. Yep. Just watching cars be cleaned up. There's no commentary. There was no replays. There was nothing. You're just like, what happened? I hate to know what happened. Yeah, it was the first was... wreck of the race, too, really. Yeah, I don't know. It could, could have been better. Yeah, just do your commercials like during the stage breaks. <laughs> well, I mean, there's hours between stage breaks, so they need more commercials than that. But it's unlike in football or basketball where during the commercial break there's no sport being played. Yeah, that's, that's forced. The difference. There's commercial timeouts. Yeah, that's that's the difference between these two things. Like you can't have Which a I don't... timeout and we're at car racing. I don't think people like really think about that much because you're watching on TV. You don't realize it. You wouldn't realize it unless you were there in person watching it. 
Right. And even when you're there watching it in person, they try to make that seem less obvious too. They'll put something on the screen or they'll have the mascot do something silly or there'll be something in those breaks so you don't notice that it's a commercial timeout. You just notice that it's something else happening on the field or on the court or whatever. But you can't do that in a racing event because you can't stop the race and be like, all right, guys, everybody stop. It's time for commercials. So I, I honestly didn't notice the commercials too, too bad until somebody else mentioned it. And I was like, yeah, there were a lot of commercials actually. There were, and there were a lot during when NBC. Yeah. NBC. Yeah. NBC did the 20 uh, Rolex 24. There was a lot of commercials too. Yep. Even when you're watching on their app that they have, it is not commercial free. You're like, really? It seemed like there was less, like it didn't seem as bad to me probably at first because it was just last week we watched the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl is nothing but commercials. That's the so, whole point of it. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point of the whole thing. And I think that's probably why I didn't even pick up on it because I've just been I've been in commercial mode, I guess. Because, <laughs> you know, in 2023, you don't watch commercials. You know, you don't watch live TV hardly ever. No. I don't. You know, if it's a show that's still on cable, I want to watch. You record it and you watch it later and you fast forward to the commercials. So when they have a captive audience, they really want to drive home their their commercial breaks so i get it and i understand why the app does has commercials too because it's a free app so you don't pay extra for it so i don't know but anyway well technically i mean i have comcast which is nbc i'm paying for it so i should have (laughs) got on my cable in my opinion i should have got without commercials but no because if you watch it on your cable box you'd have commercials and you're not watching your cable box, so they have to... I am watching the... on my cable box through the Peacock app on my cable box. Right. Which is Comcast NBC. So I'm paying Comcast for the pleasure of using their app and getting commercials. But do you pay for the commercial-free app? No. But what I'm saying is you didn't need to watch it on an app. You could have watched it on your Comcast box. And you did only so therefore for certain hours. If I wanted to watch the whole thing end to end, it was the. Oh, we're talking app. about the twenty four now. Not yeah, the... yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, but Peacock also has an app you can pay extra for, with no commercials. Which is silly. I know why they obviously they want to make money, but it's like if you're already sure. a Comcast customer, I should give it to you. What does Comcast have to do with Peacock? Peacock's NBC. It's Comcast NBC. Oh, is it the same company now? Yeah. Yeah. You remember that from the 30 Rock days? I don't. It was a running joke on the show. (laughs) I don't. I have the, I have commercial free Peacock here because we use it enough that it was worth the extra five bucks. (laughs) So, well, anyway, what about the Daytona 500, the actual racing? Yeah, it was a good race. I enjoyed it. There are more lead changes, I think, than ever. I caught it at lap like 110 because we were out. So you were in for the final stage. I caught the end of the second stage and then, yeah, watched the whole final hour or so or whatever it was. Okay. I mean, it was pretty good. The cars that had been down laps early were all back in contention. So there was no issues there. It's all, again, part of that whole lucky dog rule and everything. There was always something going on. Um, I think that what was the Jimmy Johnson was down a little bit for a while. Um, 
who is down early. So cars we follow, like Pastrana, Wallace, Elliot, Suarez, mm-hmm. they were all pretty much down at one point and wrecked at one point or way behind at one point. And they all wound up on a lead lap in the end. Yep. So that kind of goes to prove my point of what I did enjoy about everything. You know, that the racing is close enough and that's not a death note to your race when you make a small mistake. Like, I know Pastrana had a, the first time leaving the pits, he crossed over too many pit boxes. So they had to bring him back in for a drive through penalty, but he was still able to come back and be in the lead lap. But I think he was like in 11th at the end of the day, despite. Made it up to 6th. Yeah. Despite causing the last wreck or being, being a major factor in the last wreck, not causing it, but. He was definitely, uh, if he had more experience, that wreck may not have happened the way it happened. Yeah. So, I don't know. It was it was good racing. I I, I enjoyed it. I watched it flag to flag, and uh, I didn't. I never felt bored. You know, as a as a NASCAR fan, I could see how non NASCAR fan wouldn't have enjoyed it, but I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. No hey, no wheels have come off. No, I was going to bring that up, and I kind of forgot actually last week when we were talking about the clash. All of the issues the cars had last year, they did not have this year. Well, we we sort of talked about that, but we forgot about the wheels. We talked about tow links and stuff. Okay. And the hard hits in the wall went back into the wall. They softened that structure. We talked about mm-hmm. that. So yeah, they, they had no no wheels came off, and no cars randomly caught on fire. No, and a lot of that the cars were awesome. had some pretty good damage towards the end, but kept yep. going. Yeah, it weren't terribly slow either, which is it used to be on the, you know, previous cars before the next gen cars. If you had any kind of body damage, especially on a super speedway race, you might as well just park it because was, there was no way to keep up. But these cars seem a little more forgiving in that particular area. Somebody Anything said cars, it, the overall speeds were lower, but I don't know. Does it does it matter? If they're doing matter. 180 versus 190, like yeah, the speeds speeds have been going down in NASCAR for a lot of years because they're trying to keep it safer. I mean, ever since Bill Elliott had his 212 point something mile an hour lap, they're like, "All right, I'm gonna slow us down a little bit. This is this is getting a little crazy." So, and that's the whole reason restrictor plate racing exists because otherwise, these cars would be doing 300 miles an hour on this big open tracks like this. So they've been slowed down for sure. But no, I, I don't. As a spectator, you don't. I don't notice the difference between one eighty and one ninety. No, it's doesn't matter at all. And the as long as the cars are close and they're racing each other, I don't care if they're doing thirty. Well, maybe that'd be bad. But I mean, speaking of close, the I mean, nose to tail now feels like it's closer than before. Hundred percent. Like literally 100%. touching. Like because there's less. So it used to be, again, going back to the old car. They were made out of sheet metal. So the bump draft was a more finite thing. Like you had to be very precise and you didn't stay as close because if you hit their car wrong, you bent your sheet metal and you were no longer in contention because you either A, blocked your cooling for your radiator and overheated, or B, you bent the car to the point where it was no longer aerodynamically competitive. Yeah, you lose 20 miles an hour. Yeah, so these new cars are some kind of urethane plasticky material and they can take a bump without deforming terribly. And 
you'll notice that the bump draft is now like a noticeable bump draft. They're hitting each other pretty hard when they have a run. And it's because they know they can get away with it. And it keeps the cars really close because they're not as worried about bending their car up a little bit because normally it doesn't get too bent. Well, and then you can see it, the low pressure, it, the the hood the hood flaps like go up and down. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, the flaps that are designed to keep the car on the ground if it spins around backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you see them popping up and down because the way the wind, the, the air pressure changes around the cars and they link up nose to tail like that. That was also pretty interesting that it was mostly two lanes. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of three wide. A couple of times, end of stages, end of the race there was, but overall yeah, it was but as pretty, soon as uh, as soon as somebody got shuffled out, they fell them. back like five or ten spots. Yeah, you gotta be really careful when you pull out a line now. It seems more so than in the past too, because it seems like the I don't know if it's just the style of racing now where they're not letting somebody back in. And in the past, they let somebody back in more, but it just, once you're out, you're out. You can go from first to 20th real quick. Well, it noticed like you had to have a partner to run with at least two or three cars to make a run. Well, that's because three cars in a row are faster than one car by itself, right? Yeah. So it's just drafting in in every speed sport from bicycle riding to speed skating. It's the same. Hmm. And then I, we were talking about rules. I I don't mind the cho- the choose rule. I think that's kind of cool. Nope. I'm into the choose rule. So the choose rule is, they call it a choose cone. There is a triangle painted on the track. Yep. And it used to be that you lined up inside, outside, one, two, inside, outside, three, four, inside, outside, five, six. Now it's when you get to that triangle on the track, you can choose if you want the inside or outside lane. So well, the interesting thing about that is if position one, two, three, and four all chose the bottom line, then position five is like, well, nobody's chosen the top line. I can take the top line. I can restart this race in the outside pool. So it brought more cars up into the mix that wouldn't have been there right. potentially. And the reason that second and third place would choose the bottom line to be behind the first place car would be, hey, we're not going to win the race on a restart here. We know that this car is faster. We'll tuck in behind him, try to get some distance on the field before we start dicing it up to make passes. So it really kind of brings the whole field into a whole different order after every pit stop or every yellow, I should say. So I'm I'm down with that rule, too. I'm still surprised, too, that, I mean, the overall shape of the cars is basically the same. That they make such a big deal out of it, whether it's a Toyota, a Ford, or a Chevy. I was thinking about that during the race. I, I didn't really understand that. I'm back in the day, I understood it, but now I'm like, yeah. There was times when like a Ford would be faster, or the Chevys would be faster. I mean, I'm talking the like, yeah, the late '90s. There are minor sheet metal changes in the shapes, especially of the bumper in the front, which is yeah huge. But. I honestly think a lot of that is just the commercialization of... Yeah, they just got to talk it up. They just got to talk it up. The brand name's got to be talked up. And I think a lot of it is because you know, they talk about all the Fords pitting together and the Chevys pitting together. Yeah, it's weird. Together. And I think that a lot of that is because those teams all share tech and, you know, garage yeah. space and... You know, it's maybe your Ford team drivers have a closer knit relationship than a Ford driver and a Toyota driver just based on 
being on the Ford team. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know that it mattered as much because there were a couple of drivers who were like, no, I'm going to pit what I want to pit. And yeah. You know, oh, here, here comes one guy with his, with his Camaro pit all Toyotas. What's he doing? Like, eh, I think he's yeah. just fine. It is weird. Cause yeah. Well, then you've got, you know, you've got individual, you know, maybe you've got one teams of like one or, you know, one car, two car, three cars or whatever. Uh, and they're, you know, all one make. And then they're talking about all of the makes as like one team. It's like, that's kind of weird, but right. Like you have your Penske cars, which are happen to be Chevy's. Yeah. Like, Oh, all the, all the the Toyotas are making the run. You're like, okay, (laughs) I guess. But again, I I think it's because that they were, but they're already a team. (laughs) So if you have a team, if you have a team of Penske cars, right? Say you got, what's that? Four or five Chevy's. Yeah. And you're like, you want to make a run at the front, you're, all your spotters would be like, all right, we're all going to get together. Right. You're going to tell the but guys. But then also, run. they'll talk to the guy next to him and be like, hey, you know, the manufacturer is like it when we all run together. Can you run with our guys? And, you know, that means that the Penske guys are going to talk to, you know, uh, another team that Hendrick? runs Camaros. Hendrick, right. sure. So that way you keep them all in line versus going over and talking to 23XI and being like, Oh, we want your Toyotas to run out there with the Camaros because our sponsor's going to love that. Yeah, they're not. So there's there's always going to be some of that, and it goes all back to the early days of racing with team orders and whatnot. It's always been racing is an individual sport, but it's also a team sport. And you know, we talk about the over commercialization of everything and how much I don't like that and other things, but in NASCAR, it's it's part of it, and. I think that's the biggest part of why you saw that and why it gets talked up because the commentators know the game. They're most of them are old race car drivers. They know what they got to say. And you know, it's all, it's all sponsorship money. I mean, how many old school NASCAR fans, you know, they're like, I want to drive Chevrolets because that's what Dale drove. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's still, there's still that element of it. I don't know many people that run out and buy a Camry because, you know, Bubba Wallace drives one, but, I'm sure there's some element of that still, just not as obvious. Maybe, I will say maybe that if, the, the Toyota ad was kind of cool. Toyota ad was cool. Maybe if Toyota made like a uh, a Denny Hamlin edition Camry. <laughs> they they maybe, might, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Um, oh, you know what else was interesting too? Tires didn't seem like a huge factor. Not at all. It's weird. Zero factor. So that's one thing that I noticed, especially towards the end of the race at the end of a run. When they were just did gas and goes, you're like, what? Well, the commentators always used to be like, oh, this guy's got seven more laps on his tires. So he's got five mile an hour. Oh, they're going to do. They're only going to do left side. They're only going to do right side. They were talking about cars that had like 30 lap differences and they're running side by side without issue. Yeah, it's wild. Almost the tire wear out until they're gone. There's no degradation as the race goes on it's like good tire good tire bad tire whereas it used to be like good tire okay tire still serviceable tire bad tire it doesn't seem to be the same anymore it's just tires good until it's not and there was not a lot of flat tires either there was no real tire issues at all i think they had that issue last year right where they're maybe they're running too low last year they were beating tires like crazy yeah but this year it wasn't an issue at all i remember last year I remember last year at the 500, it was, oh, this team car blew a tire. Oh, man, their teammate blew a tire. Oh, they one more guy out there who's got two more laps than those same tires, and then guaranteed that tire is going to go in the next lap or two. 
And this year, whatever they fixed, they fixed it because there was no tire issues, and especially a super speedway track that used to be where it was always the worst because again that you know five to seven lap difference on tires made the difference at the end of the race yeah hey we got one one final restart you know guy on the outside's got seven less laps on his tires and he's gonna drive away with it and that just didn't happen this year so i i have to look into what the tire difference is this year because it certainly it certainly Mm -hmm. worked whatever it was which is cool so anyway it was a good race make even the clash i mean the clash was so short they didn't make a big deal out of the tires yeah, no, didn't even think of it then. Hmm. But even watching the other racing race that I watched the Bush race and I watched the truck race. Yeah. And they're still running the, you know, 15 inch steelies and big sidewalls. And those vehicles had no tire issues either. The whole events at Daytona. Interesting. Yeah. So who won, Andrew? It's a good question. Um... <laughs> Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Yeah, it's like not In the Cottonelle I... machine. It's not somebody I, I, they they kind of expected. He was kind of an outside, like a dark horse. I don't I know. He's a dark horse. He's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, I think twenty thirteen or twenty twelve or so he started racing. So he's been there for a decade. He's okay. So now, when wins, I he's... like when I was not watching, so I that's why I don't recognize his name. <laughs> sure, sure. But I mean, he's driving the forty eight car, which is a yeah. Um, Oh, I apologize. It's 47. It's Jimmy car, Johnson's right? car. Yeah, he's no, he's not 48. He's 47. So I yeah. that. Yeah. J- JTJ Doherty Racing. Yeah. So that know. is, he's a, that's a basketball player owned team. But that was, again, because of the stages and then cautions and the overtime. Like he snuck in there and, and grabbed it. Yep. Yeah, and I saw there was a. Uh, a I honestly Instagram. thought Martin Truex had it. Yeah, he did. He did. I think I think he had it until a yeah. fatal mistake where he stepped out of line and stepped back so far, yeah. um, and then wrecked. Um, I Cottonelle is the sponsor of mm-hmm. Ricky Stenhouse, and they had a post today about. I I was like, this is why I hate NASCAR because their social media post that I was fed through like some kind of advertisement, a logarithm was like, man, 500 miles is a long time to sit in the car. I hope we kept his down there comfortable the whole time. And I was like, what the, what uncomfortable <laughs> at? And they use the word, they use the phrasing, the down there. And I was like, that's weird. Like, what What's a strange ad, I guess. Did you, um, did you see what he did with his trophy where he took it? No. He went to Waffle House with it. Okay. <laughs> is there a reason for that? I or don't just know. because? Just because you, you go to Waffle House down there? I mean, I would. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's been... The, the, the Stanley Cup goes weird places, so I get that uh, that might too. That's also... I, I The trophy is interesting to me too, because it it feels like it doesn't have anything to do with NASCAR. It doesn't. Because it's a Harley Earl trophy. Right. And then it's like Thunderbird 1, right? The car, the concept car? It's a Harley Earl design car, yeah. Yeah. But like, what on earth did that have to do with Daytona? I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure we, we probably should have looked that up before this episode because I honestly had the same question. Um, I, I don't know what it has to do with it, but it's always been that for yeah since 1959. Oh, you know, you know, what's was super awkward. 
the Fox reenactment of like the NASCAR meetings 75 years oh, ago. Oh, that was the one thing I wanted to talk about. <laughs> it was so awkward. What was going on? So that was super awkward. And then did you happen to catch the greatest lap? No, I missed it. I heard about it and I wanted to see it, but that was kind of weird, right? It was all it was CGI. Terrible. It was, was like terrible. Lap overlays. It was it wasn't even lap overlays. Were they lap overlays? So it? it looked like if if you took Gran Turismo one. Okay. In nineteen ninety seven, and then you just smoothed the car graphics a little bit. So they looked a little more like a cartoon car, but it looked like a bad animation from 25 years ago. It was like, it's 2023 and like Forza exists. iRacing exists. They could have made this look so cool. They could just pay them to make it. (laughs) It looked like somebody drew still images of cars and was like running them in front of a piece of construction paper on a popsicle stick. Like it just looked terrible. I don't know how to explain it. Like, it was awful. Yeah, because what it was, was supposed to be like lap speed to like lap speed or something. I don't think it was, was that, that the idea. Because I don't think it was that because they put Dale Earnhardt as the winner. I mean, he doesn't own the lap, lap record at Daytona for lap speed. Uh, weird. I don't know. And they also had like the 1959 car finished like six car lengths behind Dale Earnhardt, which wouldn't have happened. So I, I don't really understand what it was about, but I thought it was going to look cool at least, and it did not look cool at all. It was really <laughs> bad. It was like what you'd expect NASCAR to do if you weren't a NASCAR fan. You'd be like, yeah, it sounds like something a bunch of rednecks would put together, but yeah, it was it was pretty bad. So, I don't know. Harley J. Earl was the uh, second commissioner of NASCAR. Huh. So I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. The other awkward Fox thing is the superhero drawings of the drivers. Yeah. That's, that's also the same as football. They do that there too. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, Earl was a close friend of NASCAR founder, Bill France, who named the trophy after him as a sign of respect. Huh? So just the good old boys club. But it's funny, I, I didn't I didn't know that. And when I was a kid, Harley Earl was like my hero. I wanted to be a car designer. And I remember doing book reports and stuff on Harley Earl growing up instead of being a normal kid and doing it about some sports star. But I had no idea that that was one of his things. So that explains it. Gets the Firebird one on top. So Yeah. Anyway, that's NASCAR. I'm going to bore everybody too much with our NASCAR recap here. Move on to something else 40 minutes later. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What um, project car updates, huh? Yeah. Yeah, updates are right. Take it away. Down dates, updates, sideways states. Uh, just stasis, stasis, I guess. Stasis dates. All right, so let's see. Uh, Corolla was done last time we talked. One thing it was missing was a fuel cap. I put a fuel cap on it, filled the tank for the first time, shut the car off, and it's pissing fuel at the bottom of the filler neck. Took the fuel cap off, stopped leaking fuel. Is the filler neck rotted? Dry rotted? It's not. It's not. uh, It looks 
suspect underneath. Like it's been glued in the past. Ah. Uh-huh. But that explains to me why there was no filler cap on the car. Mm. Because when you pressurize it, it leaks. Oh, quick tangent. Uh, not sure. that either one of us need them, I think, but there is a guy reproducing filler necks for first gen DSMs. Like he TIG welds the whole thing. It's kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah, I don't need yeah. one, but. Nope, but it is cool that somebody's doing these, it. Oh, listen, these kinds of things are going to wind up happening. Like, yep. Parts are becoming not available for a lot of cars, and people are just 3D printing or making from scratch. Or there's there's ways out there to keep everything keep everything on the road. I think, you know, if this guy's still driving 1948 cars, we'll still be able to drive our 1995 cars forever. So no stress. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I took the fuel cap off and it stopped leaking. So I have to decide. What's more important to me right now is uh, fixing that or driving the car because it's going to take the car down for a few days at least because it looks like I'll have to find a filler neck and whatever the or at least some kind of the collar that attaches it to the tank because it looks like somebody tried to goop it up with glue at one point. So but it never leaked before, but it also never had a fuel cap before. So I think that that pressure just it pushed fuel through and combination of that plus the tank being full is probably why. So. I'll run no fuel cap for a little while longer until I get a chance to fix that because I promised there'd be updates on the Mercor, right? So here's the update in the Mercor. It's all fixed. And it's still broken. Ooh, boy. Yeah. So I don't know if you recall when I first started working on the car. My thought was that the fuel pump was leaking internally and everybody said, no, it can't be that. That doesn't happen. I remember it. And I remember saying it's a weird failure if it happened. Right. But so I decided that it was better to change the quick connect ends on it because they are known to fail. I mean, I wouldn't, if you're going by Occam's razor, the fuel pump would not be my number one thing. Right. So I changed the ends on the lines that go into the fuel pump. They are a Ford design that was used from 84 till 89. They are not great, in my opinion. That opinion might be because I don't understand them. Or it might be because they aren't great. So... I have never worked on a car with nylon fuel lines before. Everything has always had metal or rubber or obviously a combination of the two. So looking at this car, I was like, well, all these lines are plastic. I don't know how to fix this. So step number one was to learn how to fix plastic lines. It doesn't make much sense. You basically take your nylon line and there are two common sizes. There's 5 sixteenths and 3 eighths. So obviously 3 eighths is a larger size and 5 sixteenths is smaller. And you superheat the nylon. And then you push in a barbed end into the nylon and let it dry. Or let it dry, excuse me, let it cool off. And it's supposed to expand back down to the size of the barbed end you put in. And there are no clamps involved in this process. So it 
all seems wrong. It seems like something that you should be using a clamp for or some kind of equipment should be used to like press fit these things together. The way you replace a section of line is you buy a double-sided barbed piece and you put it in one side and put it in the other side and do it on both sides. Or the new school way of doing it is, I don't know if you're familiar, I think you probably are, with the plumbing connectors that are called shark bite. It's yeah. instead of sweating on a like a brass kind of soldered on connector, you change the piping to this plastic line and then you put on these shark bite fittings. I've used them in the house before and they work totally fine. I've used so them. It's basically the- a compression fitting for PVC yeah. pipe. Yeah. And I have my hot water heater is all plumbed in with those and it works great. And in my old house, I had a section of hose that went bad and a section of hose, a section of old school metal line that went bad and I replaced it with this stuff and it worked great. So that also is a thing they sell now. Dorman makes it for fixing your fuel lines in your cars. So it seems suspect, but I mean, if it works in the house, so I wouldn't work in a car, right? It just seems like fuel injection lines have more pressure, but I was looking into it and supposedly it's good to some ridiculous number. So anyway, I replaced all these lines. Let me back up a little bit. I tried to buy all these connectors. And the most frustrating thing is trying to get the measurements on these things. So it's five sixteenths and three eighths. Everything to me measures out to five sixteenths. So I got the five sixteenths ones. I tried to put everything together. I couldn't get the O-rings to seat properly. Got frustrated. Said, well, maybe I'll go with the three eighths ones. Because at the end of the day, the difference between five sixteenths and three eighths is a couple of millimeters. Well, it's either slightly larger than a half or slightly under a half inch. Right, but it's very close. It's only a few millimeter difference. Yeah. So, and using the caliper tool on the end of the fitting, I was getting a number kind of in between the two and it was annoying me. So I went with the three eighths ones and they were obviously too big. So then I was very frustrated. Finally, I went ahead and ordered the proper, like, part listed for the Mercor. And it explained all of my confusion, I thought, because it turned out it was a 5 sixteenths inlet and a 3 eighths outlet. I was like, Perfect. excellent. That explains everything. So I went to put that on the car, and I quickly realized that the lines on my car where I was replacing them were not three eighths. They were five sixteenths as well. So now I can't find a five sixteenths in and five sixteenths out. They're all five sixteenths in three eighths out. And nobody makes a barbed fitting. That's a reducer. So now I'm going nuts trying to figure out what's happening. And I go back and forth. I've ordered a, thousand different parts trying to get the right thing can't seem to get the right things the connectors have a horseshoe shaped clip that holds them in place i went through three different versions of those before i got one that worked finally got the ones that worked 
But then I had the issue with the hoses. Got super frustrated. So today, after getting more wrong parts, I just said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just take some three, uh, five sixteenths line, like rubber hose, like fuel line hose. I'm going to put part of it on the barbed connector. And I'm going to just run it directly into the fuel pump so that I'll at least be able to move the car and drive the car until I get the proper fittings figured out. It's It seemed to make sense, right? I mean, it's just, let's get this thing moving. Let's move on to the next step. Let me take some time to figure out exactly what the problem is. So I did that. All excited, ready with the car. The car's been down for like a month now, just based on waiting on parts and just other things in my life have been going on. And I just haven't had a chance. Turn the car on. Car fires up. I smell fuel immediately. I look under the car. It is a waterfall of gasoline. It is leaking. I don't know how the car started. There is so much gas pumping everywhere, so I shut it off, obviously. And I called Naomi to come outside and help me so she could turn the key on and I could watch where it was coming out of. So the way the car is set up, there's this box that's bolted to like the frame rail area. And half of the box is a filter and the other half is the pump. I can see all of the connections on the filter and on the pump. So I have her turn the car key to on, just not start the car, just turn like power on and it's just shooting fuel out of the middle of this box and I can't tell where but I could see the end of each line so I know the lines aren't leaking I'm assuming it's coming out of the side or end cap of the fuel pump and it's just firing fuel never seen it before yeah, so, at this point, I guess. I mean, it's got to be. There's, there's literally nothing else it can be except for some kind of internal failure in the fuel pump that's just pissing fuel out of every orifice in the end of the pump. Is it hard to get the fuel pump off? I don't think so. I haven't done it yet because this was just before recording tonight and I was super frustrated and it was getting cold and we have a storm front rolling in. We're supposed to have like 40 mile an hour winds and rain all night. So, I mean, see, so you could get it off. You could put it in a bucket with some fuel. And... I'm 100% going to put it in a bucket and figure out what's happening. And see what it does. Yeah. Yeah. And then if it's leaking, didn't you you have a new one on hand, I think? No, I don't have a new one on hand because I never put the order through. Oh. So now I got to figure out what to do for an order. So the system in the car is a twin pump system. Yeah. There is a lift pump in the tank. It's very European. Yep, there's a lift pump in the tank and then this high pressure pump on the frame rail itself. Some people switch to the Walboro 255. But the problem with that is you have to remove the one from the tank because it no longer needs it and it overpowers it and burns it out. Yeah. I don't think I want to do that. No. Just do, I think just, I just want to go just with the standard keep it one. the way it is. Yeah. So the thing is, I had to figure out what the right pump to get is now. I assume that the Bosch pump would probably be the way to go. 
because I don't want to wind up with a situation like with the Starion where I bought a cheap pump and it doesn't pump enough fuel. Yeah, it's probably it's probably fine. So I'll buy the Bosch pump, I guess. And it's like there's twenty, thirty, forty dollar pumps available, and the Bosch pump's like a hundred. But I, I think it's worth it to buy the right pump. But maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't want to do this job anymore. I'm tired of it. I was ready to just give up today and sell the car out the end of the street. So I'm not going to get there. I know it's something simple. I'm just annoyed because it's been, it was this huge battle to get all the right parts to put it together. And now that I have it put together, it's more broken than it was before. It wasn't pumping this much fuel outside of the fuel pump before I started messing with it, which also leads me to believe that some kind of internal crack has happened. And the more I've messed with it, the worse it's gotten. Right. Because it was like a seepage in the beginning, and now it's a deluge instead of a seepage. Well, who knows what pump is in there? Maybe it's That's a true. cheap aftermarket one. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it could be. Who knows? So I'll get to it. I'm just currently frustrated um, because I thought I was at least going to have the car to a level where it could be started and moved and not dead in the water where it is. So, I mean, I, I can always push it around. It's not the end of the world, but I need a second hand to do that because it's not a lightweight car. And, you know, Naomi's been recovering from her foot surgery, so she hasn't been able to help me out with stuff like that. <laughs> so it's blocking stuff in the yard. I guess I could move it on the starter if I had to. I just don't want to. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm a little frustrated. Obviously, the the dejection in my voice is obvious. Um because I want to move on to the next step with that car, which is hopefully this fuel pump issue fixes my stumbling issue under boost. And if it does, great. If not, that's the next issue. But it's one step at a time. And I just want to get it to a point where it's running well, drivable, and I can change all the wheels and tires and stuff. But I'm just I'm not willing to spend any extra money on it right now to do stuff like wheels and tires. I'm not using the car. So one step at a time. The fuel pump is ordered now, so I mean, I'm not going to have it for a couple of days. So I'm not going to take the car apart until I have the fuel pump. So here we are. Dead in the water again. But at least everything else is working. So there we're at. Well, that's good. Yeah. I have a complaint. Okay. Can I, can I complain here? All right. I was going to publicly shame these people, but I have not yet. Okay. You've been to the local Cars and Coffee here. The yes. 4 till 4 Cars and Coffee yep. event. You know it's limited parking. I do. The spots that are off the street in that like little square parking lot yep. are technically not even allowed to be used. Uh, it's not too big of a deal in the morning, but if you're going to be there late, you shouldn't park there because the people who open their businesses up later do own those parking spots and can have you towed. So when you get there and the event starts at 7, and there are two more open parking spots on the street, and you go to back into one of them and you're physically stopped by people because they're saving the spot for their other friends with the same cars. 
don't do that. It's not cool. They physically stood behind my car and would not allow me to pull in the spot. And they put an empty camping chair in the spot next to that to stop people from parking in it. So that other owners of BMW 2002s could park in their spots. Yeah. And 4 till 4 isn't even a sit-behind-your-car type of show either. There's no need to do that. It's a couple hours in the morning. It's very casual. It's first come, first serve. Uh, It's my favorite weekend of the year is Saturday is the third Saturday morning for the shakedown Saturdays because it's literally no behavior like this. It's low key. There's nothing bad happening. It's just a really cool morning to get together with like-minded people and have a great chat session. So I'm trying to back in the car and the guy goes, this is Arizona 2002 club parking only. And I was like, "It's, it's not. He goes, yes, it is. And I was like, well, it's a public street, number one. And number two, there's limited parking, so I'm parking here. He's like, nope, not moving. Why? It's for 2002s only. No, you can't, you can't do that. So we argued for, I don't know, it felt like 10 minutes, but it was probably 30 seconds. And I'll just like, forget it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let these guys ruin my day. Because this is my, again, it's one weekend a month. My favorite Saturday morning of, of the month. So I went and parked somewhere else. Of course, it did ruin my day. That's all I could think about. This parking spot sat empty. Now, the event starts at 7. Officially goes until 10. This spot sat empty until about 8.30. These two spots. Before another car, their, before their friends finally showed up. So they saved these parking spots for an hour and a half so nobody else could park there. Other people after I got there were less lucky than me because they did not find a parking spot. I was there at like 7.15. More than one person tried to park in this parking spot and they pointed them around the corner to a side street instead of opening up this one little parking spot, these two little parking spots for two more people. I took a picture of them all standing over there being dumb and I was going to post it, and I didn't do it because I don't want to ruin the event in general. So I'm not sure what way to go with that. I was going to post it, and everybody else told me. You know, some people said post it. Some people said don't post it. I'm error on the, erroring on the side of caution. Um, and I'm contemplating, do I send a note to the owner of the place? And be like, hey, put a thing out there, no saving spots or something like that, because it's just a shitty thing to do to somebody. In hindsight, are you, fr- are you friendly with the owner? Yeah. Yeah, just mention it to him. In dudes, hindsight, these dudes killed the vibe, man. Yeah, they really did. In in hindsight, I should have just backed up to the parking, the camping chair, and just shut the car off. That's what I should have done. I just left it there, partially sticking the up the street. Yeah. 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 That's what, what I should do. What do you do? Ruin your paint? <laughs> well, I mean, I would hope they wouldn't touch it, period, because going from a verbal discussion to touching somebody's stuff is... I mean, trust me, my brain was like, I'm going to run this chair over. But, you know, I my cooler had prevailed at that point, and I didn't do that. Listen, the past five years of my life, I've really been trying to like 
do this whole like live and let live kind of deal and not get angry and not yell and not because you know for a long time in my life i i would blow up a bit and i'm trying not to be that guy i'm trying to just chill and relax and ever since the big change in my life of it's been talked about before then they rehashed i've just trying to be calm i don't get road rage i don't get angry i just try to like i try to relax and it was really challenging because again it's my favorite saturday morning of every month and it's a really chill place and it's a really no stress environment and i got this like instant hit of stress and immediately i was like i'm just gonna run over this guy's chair <laughs> if you want to part together you show up together 100 percent. also don't worry about parking together because what's yeah, less that. interesting also that. than six of the same cars in a row if you want a 2002 event hold your own event somewhere like if you know if you if you and i are going to a car show like we'll show up together if we don't park to each other i don't care it doesn't matter <laughs> did i park in the show okay that's all i want yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter there's no this is not a ridiculous thing this is not it's not like it's a car show with classes where the judges are going to be coming over to judge all the 2002s at the same time. It's a casual Saturday morning car event. Like, there's nothing official there at all. And I know that we have many other friends who have the same thought. Like, I'm not even interested in going over and looking at a 2002 when it's in a line of seven other ones. I'll go look at it on its own, maybe. But the chances of me looking at your whole group of 2002s, I don't care. I don't care. I'll I'll look at you from across the parking lot. I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, nope. <laughs> and then it's even worse because they're 2002 owners. So of course, eventually they all opened up their hood. So all you see is a line of flat hoods facing you. Yeah, because the they flip the forward. <laughs> yeah, just looks dumb. I just I... so they all show up their stock whatever engine their is their stock is M20 or something like that. I don't, With, I don't know. BMW is enough. Maybe some carbs on it. I don't know. They all have the same thirty. Oh, maybe somebody's got a TII. Weber. Probably not. Probably not. So anyway, it just it just frustrated me because it's it's a it's a two thousand two. There's a million of them in the world. Uh, whatever. It's a cool car. I like them. I don't want to see a bunch of them parked side by side. If thirteen Dodge Colts showed up, I wouldn't want to see thirteen Dodge Colts parked in a line unless I went to a specific Dodge Colt show. So it's not anything anti two thousand two. It's anti-2002 owner, which is a huge cross-section with Corvette owner, it looks like. Um, so it was annoying. I'm annoyed by it. Don't do it again. Please, I'm sure they don't listen to this, but if they do, just don't do it. Just be cool. Next time, I'm not going to be so cool. I will probably just park in front of the spot. Japanese car day. We had a bunch of people, listeners, yep. all went. Did we yep. all park together? No. <laughs> Did it matter? No. No. Doesn't matter. We just walked around and talked to each other. Yeah. Doesn't. Does not matter. And that's the other thing. These 2002 guys, like, they all park there together. And not one of them leaves that area. They all just stand around their car like a dog. No, you get to stand around your car, man. Because just in case. Yeah. Just in case somebody might touch it. Or maybe you want to assault someone with telling them about it. Right. Like Mr. ATS or CTS Coop. Any questions about the car? No, no, sir, I don't. Um, I've seen a million 2002s, and you have literally, I I saw, you had a little tiny picture of it you shared. Sure. It had fake mini lights. Yep. I'm like, I know that car. I've seen that car. Not that car, but I've seen that car. Right. About 20 or 30 times. That's just, there's a a formula to make a 2002. 
Yeah, a set of uh, eight spoke rotas and a cheap set of eBay fog lights. And uh, done. Yeah, it's got Hella 500s. Yep. Uh, Which are maybe fine. Maybe it's got Revolution. Uh, maybe it's got Panis boards. Maybe. No, no, they were not. They were they were rotas. Oh, right really? Down the right down the rotocentric caps. Okay. Yep. So it, it is what it is. It's funny. A, a friend of mine arrived after I did who owns a 2002. And they pointed him right into the spot. And he backed right in. I, not his fault. He doesn't know any better. He's not part of the AZ 2002 club. But he had the right car. So they allowed him to park there. Oh, what a jerk. Right. And I was talking to him afterwards. And he's like, yeah, I had no idea. He's like, I just started open spot and I took it. And nobody said anything. He's like, but then afterwards, people were talking to me about the other 2002 owners. And I was like, oh, that sucks. I won't park with those guys again. <laughs> so he was ticked off about it, too. So but and his car deserves to have the hood open because his car is Honda powered. So. Oh, that that car. Yeah. The yeah. green car. Yeah, the green one. Yep. That I saw when we were out there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That car is amazing. No, yeah, well, it's. What is that? F20C powered? Yeah, so that's cool. not like an average 2002 owner. No, no. And he, again, had no idea he was part of anything when he parked there. He just saw an empty spot and happened to be next to a couple 2002s. Didn't know that other people had been ushered away from the spot. Well, that's the other problem is that, like, you know, they look down their noses at your Corolla. But it's literally like the same car as a 2002. Oh. Oh, 100%. Formula wise, one hundred percent. All these cars, are the same car, formula wise. And I've had that conversation too. Like, everybody's like, "Why this, not this?" And I'm like, well, "What does it matter?" Like, your two thousand two. I mean, okay, two thousand two has got independent rear suspension, so it's got one okay. up on the Corolla or the. Corolla. All right, so it's more like a five ten. It is a five ten. It's the same, yeah. same class of car, and it's just one of those things where the it's B just sedan. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's just they're just being elitist and they're being annoying. And I just wanted to run over their chair. So Which, next time I won't run over their chair because that's not the right way to do it. But they I were will cheap back right cars for a million years until like they're ten minutes recently. ago. Yeah, they're only recently worth money. The other they thing I forgot to mention: stuff. after they got in this whole discussion with me, I had to turn around and get out of there. And I'm turning around, and then they all started screaming at me for getting too close to their car, and I was turning around. Like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to hit your car, guy. Like. <laughs> Relax. Yeah, I'm so mad. You let me park here. I'm going to smash into the side of your car. Get out of here. I almost wish I did at this point. Anyway, I'm just I was just very frustrated by the whole thing and I don't like it. So I think I am going to email Nico and tell him what was going on. And then I'm going to arrive a half hour early next week, next month. And just park right in the middle of that one section. Why don't you show up with the 944 and then Jeff can show up and then you'll find that other person with the red 944. Right. <laughs> I don't want to be better than them. I want to do it in the Corolla so they have to stick with this crappy old car and won't even be at their level. I'm sure that that's part of the thing too. It's their, you know, their level of car. It's not a Toyota Corolla. So... Whatever. I, I, I don't want to cause a scene, but I want to burn them internally. <laughs> so uh, Ron said he'd show up with his Riata and open his hood and put a sign in there that says 2002 parking only. <laughs> or uh, he should put do not touch all over it. Right. Look, but don't touch. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. More than you could afford, pal. Riata. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's my that's my rant session about BMW two thousand two owners. It was just it was it was really off putting. I didn't really know how to properly handle it. And in hindsight, there's a lot of different things I should have done. But I just at the moment in time, I was like, you know what? I don't want this to be my day. Like this is this is not how it works. So but just just the balls to stand behind somebody's car and not let them back up. Like how arrogant do you have to be? Very arrogant. That's all I know. All right. A little bit of housekeeping. <sighs> yes. Uh, pedantic corrections. Okay. I said Rally Santini. Yes, you did. Rally Santi. Yes. Is actually his username. Yes. Um, or Santi. Santi. Yes. Santi. Santi. Oh, listen. I'm never going to say it right, so <clears throat> get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with Rude. it. <laughs> All right, An- Andrew. Uh, Andrew. No problem, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> That's it from now on. Andrew Pace Carella. Boriqua. Boriqua. I said it. Boriqua. Um, you, you did not say Boriqua, so that's good. Yes. Nope. Um, yeah. Anyway, we've got come join the Discord. There's also a Dirt Rally League going on. Yep. You've got, uh, actually, by the time this goes up, the current Sweden one will be done. So you've got, Brad, you've got one more day to do it because we're I'm doing, it, I'm doing it tonight after this. Actually, actually I'm <clears> watching <throat> Oak Island. And when I'm done watching Oak Island, I'll do that. Oh, yeah. So um, obviously they must have found the gold this week. So they're going to find it every week. This is the week. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Ten years. Cool. Ten years have gone by, but it's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I love it, show. I don't know why. I just no. I it's it's I it. I was. You don't have to think that hard about it. I made fun of you for watching it all the time, and then I started watching it, and I got totally sucked in, and I watched like six seasons in a weekend. All of the all of the people that are on it are like people who remind you of like a dad type person, yeah, or or of us. Like it's just like, and that's probably why it's comforting to watch. It's just like sure. But it's, anyway, it, it's got that this old house vibe. Yeah, sorta. Yeah, it's a dad show. Yep. Um, anyway, fine. yeah, uh, yeah. Come join the Discord. Playing our Dirt Rally League. Got a lot of fast people in there. We're trying to get some of the slower people to be faster. We're helping them out. I'm not helping um, them out because I'm one of the slower people. You help me out. I know. I'm like dead in the middle lately. So I'm a little better than, you know, not quite last, not quite first. <laughs> if so you're never not first, slow, never, you're... never slow, yeah. never fast. Never slow, Sometimes never. Last, yeah. I... No, never. <laughs> well, hold on. What is it? Never. Not slow, not fast. Never first, never last. Yeah. That's there it. You go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see. You can follow us on Auto Off Topic uh podcast on facebook on off topic on instagram i am racing anger on instagram we've got parked on the block on instagram parked on the block on twitter go to the website subscribe to the newsletter yes check please. out please look at some of the articles give us some views 
comment on them. That would be great. Yep. Uh, we're getting comments like when we post them, cross post them to social media. So that's yep. good. Um, you've been doing a lot. I've been trying to do some on the weekend and here and there during the week, but you've been doing a lot. That's really cool. Yeah, I've, I've been trying to do a bunch of articles. I have actually going to do two tonight before bed, uh, two more tomorrow. Uh, and I've been posting a ton to our Instagram page and to our Twitter page just to kind of keep it going, uh, making sure we have people knowing that we're there. I've noticed that since we started actively or since I started actively posting on the Instagram page, we've actually gotten a few more followers on both the Instagram page and on the website itself. So that's good. Uh, we also take submissions. If you see an interesting car for sale, you're welcome to email it to us through the website or us directly or message us through any social media platforms. Uh, and I will try to remember to give you credit that the, that the uh, listing came from you. Uh, I did forget to give Nate credit for sending me that sweet uh, Turbo Capri yesterday, but I fixed that. So, Yeah. Come uh, us. And we've got Scale Autocast. You've yes. been carrying that too, but I've got some new stuff I should post over there. Excellent. I have at least three or four more things in the in the hopper to go. Um, so get a couple days. There'll be another one going up tonight. All right, Brad, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me all those same places. Or if they're uh, really interested in finding more stuff, they can find me at Instagram at TSISS350, where I've been posting a lot of the Corolla on shamelessly because it, uh, it works and I've been driving it. And even though it's five or six different colors it uh still photographs well so that's it all right cool so as always keep cars analog and aim for the roses <laughs> <laughs>